0: The information presented in this podcast is intended to be for entertainment and educational purposes only. It should never be used in place of advice given by a mental health or medical professional or as a substitute for mental health treatment. If you're struggling with a mental health issue, please seek professional help. Hello and welcome to this episode of the fangirl business.
1: I'm Catherine.
0: And I'm Krisha, and today we are going to be talking about the fourth episode of Supernatural's 15th season, Atomic Monsters, and in this episode specifically, we are, shocking to both of us, going to be focusing exclusively on Becky and
1: what she means for fandom. Mm. We're both shocked, but it's happening. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) Yes, and we're very, actually very excited about it. We have a lot to say. So I really hated Becky. Like You're not alone there.
0: <laughs> really, really hated Becky. I have a lot of big feelings about this. Huge, huge feelings. And I've been trying to get them wrangled. I've been trying to like get my my thoughts in order on this. And it's mm-hmm. really been a challenge for me. Becky's a fangirl, right? Mm -hmm. at the end of the day and so she's representative or supposed to be representative of us which is why i hated her so much like yeah her existence pissed me off so badly i could barely see straight i took it so personally um Mm -hmm. it's like one of the very few things in this show that i really really Got upset about. Genuinely, personally upset about.
1: Well, she was all of the negative stereotypes about fandom. And I think I disliked her prior to the episode in which she and Sam get married. I say that with air quotes. Mm -hmm. But then that episode just took it to a whole different level. It wasn't that long ago, but I think it's one of those shows that has not aged well. Because I think Mm. when it was originally written, a lot of it was supposed to be funny. And then the years since then, we've been looking with a lot more focus and intensity upon the idea of consent being not something that just women are entitled to, (laughs) but that also it's something that everyone should ask for consent and everyone should be given the opportunity to give their consent or not. And so I've always found that particular episode deeply, deeply, deeply uncomfortable to watch just because Mm -hmm. it was written in such a almost flippant way when I agree. What she was doing was so gross. I mean, straight up gross. Like she didn't rape
0: him, but she was She was on her way to doing it. Yeah. She She just ran out of time. Yeah, it was horrifying. I I just...
1: And the fact that it was all written in a way where I think we were almost supposed to laugh it off made it even more uncomfortable for me as a viewer, as someone who's just watched all of this stuff within the last couple of years. I think it hasn't aged well. I think it shows important shifts in attitude that we're having as a society. And I think that... We're really lucky as a fandom to have had her story revisited and what happened acknowledged in this episode, um, Atomic Monsters. You know, I would have like, <laughs> if you'd asked me who I wanted to see again on the show, before last night, Becky would be at the bottom of my list. There
0: were rumors that
1: she was coming back, and I was beside
0: myself. I'm so upset. I'm like, no, anything but that. Like, just give me a Leviathan, but do not give me Becky, please.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Like,. I'm glad that I missed those rumors because I would have been anticipatorily mad. That was me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Having seen the episode, I'm so glad that they brought her back because they helped to redeem who she was as a person through the steps that she had taken since we last saw her. And I'm going to hand it over to you there, Krisha, because I think you have a lot to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it... Yeah. So I have
0: been a fangirl since forever. I literally don't remember a time when I wasn't fangirling over something Uh way back into early childhood. It's just always what I wanted to do. And fandom, and specifically fangirling, has been stigmatized throughout all of that time. Or at Uh least the, the fandoms that I was in, right? Like I could never fangirl over something quote-unquote normal or socially acceptable like football or something you know for me it -hmm. was boy bands or it was tv or it was sci-fi books or Mm -hmm. video games things like that I felt that stigma hard I was bullied pretty bad like all through Mm. school for the things Mm. that I chose to fangirl over and so I was Told very clearly, very bluntly that the things that brought me joy were stupid and superficial and useless. Just
1: want to go back in time and like bring a two by four, Krisha. <laughs> That's you. It was, um... Yeah, I'm feeling, mm-hmm. a, I'm feeling retroactively protective right now. I'm so sorry yeah. you went through that. Well, Ugh. I think it's an experience that a lot of people can relate to, though.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wish I knew then what I know now. So then we saw Becky, and she absolutely was like the embodiment of that stigma. She mm-hmm. was obsessive and unhealthy, and then had um, no boundaries, no boundaries at all, and she was sort of portrayed as this person that was so self-involved and superficial and kind of almost stupid
1: yeah like she didn't have any critical thinking skills or... she missed
0: the entire point of this thing that she was supposed to love because she was so wrapped up in her own stuff she was seeing what she wanted to see rather than what the point was was supposed to be
1: which was i mean basically she was sexualizing sam (laughs) like that was yeah that was it it was reductionist Mm -hmm. it it was like a highly reductionist version of what fangirling is
0: yeah and so to have her come back and to have recognized that what she did in the past was horrific and awful Mm -hmm. and to recognize that it was unhealthy and for her to like, just say flat out like I went to therapy and I managed that and I became healthier and I found love and purpose and family and she found healthy ways to continue to be a fan Mm -hmm. but doing so appropriately in ways that genuinely made her happy instead of searching for something she wasn't going to find it was so incredibly profound for me I do phantom and mental health right like that's that's literally what I do And she is a fangirl talking about how she went to therapy to have a healthier relationship with her fandom and her faves. And I just it was so meaningful because that was from the writers. You know, like that was the writers recognizing us, recognizing our growth as fans and as a fandom and as people. And I've done things as a fan, having been a fangirl since I was a very small child, I have done things that I'm not proud of in the name Mm -hmm. of fandom. I mm-hmm. have asked for pictures with celebrities in places where I should not have approached them. It was not appropriate. Fangirling is a journey just like anything else. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're going to make mistakes and we're going to do things that we're not proud of. I, I loved that they've redeemed her because it just, mm. they really mm. see what we've struggled with. They've really seen the journey of being a fan and they saw us growing. You know, Becky's a mom. She's living her suburban life with her Funko Pops Mm -hmm. on the mantle, just like I have out in my front room. I've got the (laughs) Funkos out there. You know, it just next to the fan art.
1: It was really profoundly meaningful to me. I agree 100%. And from the little glimpse that we got of Becky's life, She has a healthy relationship with her husband. He was able to intuitively feel how glad she was to have a weekend to herself, but he wasn't resentful of it, and she didn't feel like she had to be dishonest with him. And he was loving. He was a tall, dark-haired man wearing flannel. (laughs) (laughs) But I loved that they even stuck that in there, you know? Like, he's... that was so cute it really was and you know she was a good mom she was saying you know make sure that you have gravel or whatever it was so that people don't have upset stomachs on the boat so she was concerned about the welfare of her children while simultaneously showing that she was an independent woman who had her own life and she wasn't defined solely by her children she was defined by many different things so I loved that about just that short little interaction and then driveway but then they showed that she had gone to therapy she had worked hard on herself she acknowledged the things that were wrong and didn't try to make any excuses for them but then she was also standing up and being like I'm an entrepreneur I've taken the thing that I love And made it into a friggin' business. And she was so busy. Part of what she was hoping to do that weekend was catch up on her billing. This is a creative fandom. And there are so many creatives in this fandom who actually do make at least part of a living from the creative things that they do that are show-related. So I loved that there was that acknowledgement of the creativity and the entrepreneurship that is in this fandom. And then one of my favorite exchanges happened when she was talking to Chuck about writing. Yes. (laughs) And it, it was so great. It just made the entire episode. He's asking, How'd
2: you learn all this? I'm a writer, too, Chuck. Uh, in fanfic, it's not really the same thing. Writing's writing.
0: And I was like, yes! God, I cheered. <laughs> I cheered. I don't even write fanfiction, and I cheered. Because I write academic stuff, you yeah. know? Like, I found a way to be able to use my skills and still have them be fandom-based. Yes. And But I also read fanfiction. Like, it's my job. So I was just <laughs> so happy that she jumped in to put Chuck in his place over fanfiction. She showed a healthy mom, wife, woman who also takes her role in fandom very seriously yes. and they showed that as a healthy, positive thing. Yes. And I just I can't, like I will start crying again because I just, I can't even put into words how personally meaningful and validating that was that we could see her whole house covered in fandom-related stuff right next to the pictures of her family and kids, mm. and that that was presented as this completely healthy, happy... Fulfilled life. Fulfilling, strong woman thing. Yeah. There are people that work on this show that all sat down in a room and decided that this was the message that they wanted to send us, and it was very much appreciated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think when we talk about meta, sometimes people get intimidated. But meta can just be something like this, where you know that the writers were not just writing about Becky. They were thinking about us and showing that they value us and what we contribute. I mean, like just the fact that you know like even down to the kind of fanfic that she's writing now she's writing about the boys doing laundry and talking about their feelings and just even that is such a shift right I loved that I, I loved that down to the minutiae they kind of went okay here's where she was here's where she is and look at how beautiful and fulfilling and healthy it can be
0: I mean, she's got Castiel pops all over her house. She does. She's got angel wings everywhere, too. Yeah. It's not just about Sam and Dean, it's about found family. It
1: is. And she was the one who was like, nobody even says anything about Cass. And I was like, oh, Oh yes. I was, that was like the moment where I was like, I am on board with all of this. Thank you. Team Becky. Yes. Who would have thought I know. It? And I was like astounded because like you, I was not a Becky fan and I was not thrilled about them bringing mm-hmm. her back. As soon as she showed up, I was like, oh no.
0: I know. I was like, ugh. <laughs> the fact that they took an episode that was supposed to be a Monster of the Week episode made it so pointed about fandom showing Becky Freaking Becky, the fandom, having a redemption arc, you know, Uh and coming to this healthy place where she has all of the team free will stuff all over the place. And she's writing AU fluff about the boys. Uh And that's presented as this happy, healthy thing. I mean, it's a it's a hell of a statement because you have Chuck, who is the villain, who is supposed to be the quote unquote writers talking about how, no, everybody wants monsters and we want teeth and we want... Death and despair, and the healthy fangirl is saying, No, no, that's not what we want. We want hope. We want Mm. healthy characters who talk about their feelings. We want to see them living their lives. Mm. And when I tell you, I cried from relief just because of that statement, we are being shown in episode four that Chuck, the writer, wants to take it to this horrible conclusion. And the fandom is saying no, which certainly tells me that that's the, the battle. And I, of course, believe that good will win.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I was able to breathe again.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think they were doing two really interesting things with Becky in this whole episode one was to show fandom growth and have a positive representation of what fangirling can be and the other was to kind of destabilize the power imbalance between writers and fans and that was really interesting because Throughout the entire episode, Becky is insisting upon her equal status with Chuck. To the point where she calls him out for fluffing. Like, <laughs> like where, he, yeah. where she's like, you want me to fluff you? And he's like, what? And she's like, you want mm-hmm. your ego stroked. <laughs> like, I, but I'm not going to do that because that's not my role.
2: So I thought I'd come see you, my number one fan, and, I don't know, see if you can help make me feel big again. So you want me to fluff you? I mean, no? You do. You thought you could just come back to me, your pathetic ex, your number one fan, and get what you've always gotten from me. A nice big crank on your ego. What, I mean... Well, sorry. That's not me anymore, Chuck. I am married to an amazing man. I have two great kids. And I like myself, Chuck. For the first time in a long time, I like myself.
1: So I think it's really interesting that they actually used a sexual metaphor for that Yeah, because <laughs> because aside from the fact that it, it was funny, it is this, these two characters that have had a sexual relationship, we know. It is mm-hmm. a relationship that had a power imbalance because Chuck was the writer and she was the fangirl. And he was the one that created and she was the one that consumed. And now she is a creator. And he actually is feeding off of her creativity. So they really, like, they destabilized a lot of stuff within that. And I think it was really interesting that they used that sexual metaphor because uh, so often there are power imbalances in relationships between men and women just because of like our Mm -hmm. historical constructs (laughs) that we're still kind of patriarchy. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. We're still, we're still overcoming, you know, centuries of crap. And so... It was really interesting that they took that moment to explicitly use the sexual metaphor to show the power imbalance that Chuck was hoping to exploit and that she was refusing to engage in. I loved that moment. That was a really powerful moment. But then, again, going back to the writing's writing, fan fiction for so long has been vilified and oversimplified. Oh, it's all just porn, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this was the year that Ao3 won a Hugo Award for the writers of fanfic. Yeah, they did. So I, yeah, they they did. did. And so this is the year where that dynamic has been unsettled and disrupted. Of well, it's not real writing, and the fact that fanfic is so much the domain of women and queer people and you know marginalized groups the fact that this was the year where this domain was acknowledged as legitimate and important and good writing cuz there is such good writing in fanfic i think it was really interesting that this was the time that the writers on supernatural chose to explicitly address the typical power imbalance between authors and fanfic writers even yeah because they've they've
0: talked about fan fiction before because the 200th episode was all about fan fiction mm-hmm. and in it we saw dean come to accept fan fiction yes you know like he went from saying like what the hell is going on take a sub step back to <laughs> <laughs> Just one of my favorite lines. Oh, Dean. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Okay, I'm here. Um, (laughs) Okay. They see us. I just love it. Anyway, to in this episode, not just acceptance, but validation. Mm -hmm. It is good. It is as good as what we do, if not in some ways better, because we see then Chuck. He gets... Angry. Yeah. Because she challenges him and says, this isn't what the fans want. This isn't what they want to see.
1: And this writing isn't very good, but he's the author. And it leaves out cast. Yeah. And it leaves mm-hmm. out cast. Yes. And like, What was amazing about the dynamics there, and oh my gosh, this is like the meta that I was wanting to get into. When she's giving him all of this advice, cheering him on, he's amazed at the fact that she knows all of this stuff about what it's like to be a writer. Mm -hmm. And then when he asks the question and she gives him the answer, where did you learn this? Well, I'm a writer. Then he immediately dismisses her legitimacy as a writer. It's from this place of masculine power. And she's, I just love that immediately her, her response is writing's writing. And it is because everything that she just talked about was from personal experience gained through her own experience of writing. And it's stuff that absolutely just helped Chuck. But then he can't accept it because it's not from the perspective of an author, you know, air quotes. I'm doing air quotes over here like Cass. (laughs) But, (laughs) But then they destabilize it even further, which is when she actually reads his stuff. Okay, I had a moment when she was like, oh, it's great.
2: It's so good. You did it. Congratulations. Yeah?
1: That is the last thing you ever want to hear as a writer. Because... If someone hasn't found something that they think that you can improve, they didn't really care about what they were reading in the first place. It's an unengaged reader it, when you get that kind of feedback, that is like a death knell <laughs> to hear hmm. as a writer. Oh, it was great.
0: that's interesting to me okay yeah, that
1: is like the worst huh. thing I write hear. fiction it's a you you want to have people have something to say because there's always something to improve about your writing. There's always something, and and everybody has a different perspective because we all come with different experiences and circumstances and insights. So when Becky was like, oh, it's it's really great, I was like, oh, no. So, (laughs) (laughs) and that's why he pushes her.
2: No, 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 you're shining me on.
1: What? No, I'm not.
2: It's a rough draft, Becky. You got to have some notes. It's like one note.
1: Okay. Okay. Because he knows as a writer Mm -hmm. that that means that there's a problem. Mm -hmm. And she was just being nice. But then he can't take the criticism. No. And as someone who's been part of a writing group, let me tell you, you've got to get over that stuff really fast as an author. You've got to get past looking at your stuff as the best thing since sliced bread Because it's not, and it can always get better. And it's a sign of immaturity as a writer, honestly, to not be able to take feedback or hear feedback without getting upset. And I've been there. Like, I've been that immature writer who's like, but everything I wrote was so good. How can you say that it's not great? Like, literally, I've I've been there. You kind of have to go through it. But again, it shows the... Lack of maturity in Chuck. Which makes sense. Right? Yeah, well, and he was critiqued by Metatron. He was. But the fact that he's been critiqued before and he still can't take a critique, I think that says something worse. (laughs) Right?
0: Well, he's certainly an egomaniac. As soon as we got to the end of season 14 and we saw what Chuck was doing, I was pretty sure Becky was going to come back out because he was going to want somebody to tell him he was amazing. Like, who else but his number one fan? You know, and so for him to go back to her for that, like, oh, I just need to be fluffed. And she's like, nah, dude, this isn't good. Mm -hmm. After he's gone to everyone else, Mm -hmm. he is not getting what he was expecting from her. That is for sure.
1: That is for sure, for sure. And her critique of his writing was like, Oof. It was so good, though. It was so good. <laughs> but I mean, like, she did not pull her punches. I had to
2: give one note The Jeopardy check. It's feeling a little thin, low stakes. It's fun to hear the boys' voices, but a story is only as good as its villain. And these villains are just not feeling very dangerous. Not to mention, there's no classic rock, no one even mentions Cass. The climax is a little stale. Boys tied up again while we get the villain's monologue, which frankly isn't one of your best. A little originality wouldn't hurt.
1: But she was so matter of fact about it. And that tells me that she is an experienced writer who has gotten feedback Mm -hmm. before.
0: Yeah, she probably has betas. Exactly. She has
1: beta readers. Um, So she would have Mm -hmm. heard this kind of feedback from other people before. And she knows how to handle it.
0: Yeah, because she has improved. Yeah, it's, she has grown.
1: Exactly. And we, she has readers who are breathing down her neck, waiting for her next entry. Yeah. So obviously, she's mm-hmm. a well read fanfic yeah. writer. So again, d- it's destabilizing that hierarchy between authors and fanfic writers, which I love so much. So much, Meta yeah. Krishna
0: and you know this isn't a fully formed thought yet because I kind of just had it as we were sitting here processing but Chuck then as the writer recognizes that he can take his art and hurt her
1: yes
2: no you can't I did
0: Right. So he sits down and he writes out a horrific ending.
1: Yes. And
0: for her, she's like, oh, you can't do that to the fans. It's awful. But then he gets up and he takes out her family. Yeah. I felt like maybe that was a bit of the writers telling us they recognize that they actually still do have the power to hurt us out here in the real world, Mm -hmm. though. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I hope that that means that they are going to take care of us because they do recognize that fiction does impact us directly as real people, mm-hmm. but wow, that was a it escalated. Like he <sighs> yeah. took out her kids, man. And I just I was like, um. I mean, I'm glad that they gave him that line saying they're not dead; they're just gone. Because I, I was like upset, <laughs> like not the fun kind, but too far, you know? Yeah, like, too far.
1: Well, and I and I think that that was an echo back to the scene with Amara, where she was like, did you just smite my masseuse? So we know Mm -hmm. he's capable of just killing people for the sake of Mm -hmm. killing people. And so I think they intentionally let that horror linger for a moment because it draws to our attention that we are aware that Chuck has no limits. He could just as easily have killed them and not thought for a second about it.
0: And that's the anxiety that as a fandom we are all struggling with because yes. the writers do have all the power here and they could kill everyone and it will impact us as we go about our daily lives. And there is not a damn thing we can do about it. Yeah. And that for me is absolutely the anxiety I have been living in. Yeah. That is making this so difficult i really want to get a supernatural tattoo like that's something that you know i already have a doctor who one i would love to get a supernatural one but once i f- realized that the show was ending once we were told that i held off because i need to know how it ends mm. to make sure that i'm not going to be traumatized every time i look at this thing that's permanently on my body yeah. because that's the anxiety that i live with
1: yeah no, legit. You know, we were we were talking about this last night a little bit, and I thought it was really interesting. We talked early on about the Hall H appearance and how Dab made the joke about how what it was gonna be like 30% of the audience would like the ending. Yeah. And then Jared made the joke about the Game of Thrones ending. We know now that they were just coming from filming this episode. And mm-hmm. that they would have already had written the episode with Chuck and Amara, where Chuck references how great the Game of Thrones ending is. <laughs> so I feel like that moment was very much scripted, or at least very much shaped by what mm-hmm. was happening on set and what was happening in the writer's room. For those who don't follow Game of Thrones, they do something at the end where they take a character that everyone's rooted for and they make them into a villain at the end of the show and the way that they did it felt rushed and felt untrue to who the character was and people felt like it was a betrayal of everything that the series had been prior up to that point yeah so that's why Mm -hmm. people were so upset about what happened with the game of thrones ending So I think the fact that here we have Sam, who's a character, who is our hero, being put on this path where he's going to become a villain at some point down the line, it's looking like is probable, at least according to me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's not a coincidence that they brought up this stuff at the Hall H panel or that Chuck said it was a great ending to Game of Thrones. And yeah. then he that he has written this ending that we don't know what exactly it is, but it's horrifying Becky. Those two or three things combined were a huge reassurance to me that they are aware of our anxieties as a fandom, that they don't want to be the villain. <laughs> yeah. And that they're not going to turn this into a situation where the fandom feels betrayed. And I am clinging to that with both hands at this point,
0: (laughs) desperately. Yes,
1: because what Chuck did was cruel. Yeah, certainly according to Becky. It was straight up cruel. He delighted in that. He loved that she was hurting.
2: There, see? It's making you feel something.
1: And I honestly don't think that the show being what it is and the team being what it is, that they would delight in treating us cruelly. Well
0: and if they did, I don't think they would build it in this way. I don't think they would set it up as them being the villain, you know, not in a show that's all about fighting evil. You know, we love Sam, Dean, and Cass because they fight for what is right. Yes. So it just wouldn't it wouldn't make any logical sense.
1: I think this was a strong sign that we're not gonna end up in that place. And you helped me to find this wonderful tweet from Megan Fitzmartin, who's one of the people that work in the writer's room and she wrote an episode last season. She's taking issue with the idea that what this generation wants is nihilistic, dark storytelling. And she says at the end of her tweet, you can tell your dark story, but not at the expense of hope. So I think that this particular tweet coming out... I think it might've been August, actually. Hmm. Yeah, which would've been right around when the Hall H panel was happening and this was filming. I think that to have somebody from the writer's room picking up that line about how people wanting nihilistic, dark storytelling is just not accurate, and then to use that word hope. You can tell a dark story, but not at the expense of hope.
2: This is just an ending. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I know where I'm going. But, But it's so dark. But great, right? I can see it now. Supernatural, the end. And the cover is just a gravestone. It says, Winchester. Fans are gonna love it. Well? It's awful, horrible.
1: It's hopeless. You can't do this to the fans. And have that be the thing that Becky says, like, you can't, you can't kill our hope this way. I feel, I feel reassured, Krisha. I do. In seeing it this
0: way, and certainly when I was watching the episode, like, that's what I took away from it, too, was that they were telling us that it was going to be okay. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the, the message that I was getting. Cass just is not mentioned by anyone but Becky. I know. And I find that to be fascinating because I don't know what happens in every corner of fandom, but I know that in the pieces of fandom that I see, there is a tremendous amount of discussion about Cass and why isn't Cass being talked about more? Why aren't his feelings being considered more? What is going on with him? Why don't we know where he is? The fandom is just... So focused on Cass and sometimes it feels like the show isn't Mm -hmm. as much as we are, which is really frustrating. Yes. And so I feel like throughout this episode, though, the absence was almost highlighted. It was like they very much set it up for us to notice that Cass is actively not being discussed Yeah, where he should be. Where was he in that red scene? Right? Right. There's no... Cass there there's tons of other people up to and including Benny Benny who is in purgatory with Dean and Cass Mm -hmm. and then Sam and Dean are talking at the beginning of the episode they're talking about Rowena really we're not going to talk about the missing member of your family that's not there
1: at the table with you I know. and literally like I it was hilarious because I tweeted during that conversation I was like no mention of Cass grr yeah and then Becky is like, there's no mention of Cass.
0: <laughs> well, later even <laughs> before Yeah. I mean, that was amazing that that was listed as literally on the list of bad writing as when you don't mention Cass. I yes. stood have been cheered. But just even the idea that we're not saying his name, but we walk into her house and there are angel wings. It's like angel wings threw up all over her house. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's little Cass pops. There's wings. There's that one frame where we're looking at Chuck, but there's... Cass and Dean their little Funkos nestled together at the roadhouse the roadhouse where Cass has never even been it's like Mm -hmm. well what does that mean because there's nothing that's a coincidence in this show ever everything is a choice Jensen Ackles director so what are you saying (laughs) at the end of the episode Dean gives us this long list of people that are important to them and doesn't mention Cass and it's just like what is happening right now? I feel like the not mentioning Cass was almost Pointed. its own statement. Yeah. I loved that the only person that did mention him was Becky, mm-hmm. who was the fandom. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. well, that's on brand. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. But it just, again, like for the millionth time, it was like, we are so seen. Like, yeah. they see us. Yeah. They recognize us. They know what we want. Yeah, We want casts and we want feelings and we want domesticity. Like, they <laughs> see us.
1: That's a beautiful thing to be told, you know?
0: It really, I get, I have been so emotional about it. Mm-hmm. Just because of what it means to me, like, as a fangirl. The validation and the message that they are sending us has just been I'm going to like harp on this for the rest of my life but it's similar feelings to the 200th episode when at the end Dean puts the fan made Samulet in baby so that they're literally taking the fandom with them on their journey but it's just like that much more you know just that much stronger of a statement and it's just so appreciated
1: We will wrap there for this episode. Again, this is going to be a (laughs) two-parter. So stay tuned for the next part of our two-parter, which will probably drop um, towards the end of the weekend, if not the beginning of next week, depending on how fast I can edit. In the meantime, you can message us and stay up to date with the latest on our Twitter page at the fangirl biz that's b-i-z or b-i-z depending on where you live until then carry on wayward friends we love you guys bye bye
0: Thunk that Becky gets her own episode. I just yeah. File that under (laughs) I never expected to say.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs)